On September 27th, Shinzo Abe's state funeral will take place. And as we've been doing for a couple of weeks now, we're running a series on some of the former prime minister's achievements. Peter Tasker has written a column on the repercussions in Asia for Shinzo Abe's work. This is the week of September 25th, and welcome to the week with Japan Forward. I'm Ariel Buzetto. With this podcast, we bring to busy people this week's news from Japan in less than 10 minutes. Tokyo-based analyst Peter Tasker wrote a column on Japan Forward, analyzing Abe's legacy. The author looks at how Japan has become a country more embedded in Asia. There are many more Asian tourists and residents coming to Japan, for example. But Tasker also looks at economic cooperation in Asia. The idea of the free and open Indo-Pacific, a brainchild of Abe, under which like-minded democratic countries in the region, such as India, Australia and of course Japan, could come together. The author looks at changing attitudes regarding the Japanese constitution, finance, national security. Ultimately, Tasker reflects on Abe as a shrewd leader as he writes, quote, Whatever the cause, when Abe became Japan's prime minister in the second time in 2012, he was a different man and a different politician, espousing a brand of intelligent conservatism reminiscent of Tancredi's famous words in Di Lampedusa's novel The Leopard. If we want things to stay as they are, everything will have to change. To that end, Shinzo Abe reformed the power structure itself, boosting the status of the prime minister's office and bypassing the bureaucracy if necessary. If you want to know more, read The Abe Legacy, a more Asian Japan steering its own course in the world on Japan Forward website. Make sure to check the live coverage of Abe's funeral on September 27th. On September 22nd, the announcement finally arrived. While on a trip to New York, Prime Minister Fumio Kishida announced that starting from October 11, Japan was relaxing its border measures. The main changes were three. First, the government was getting rid of the daily cap on entries, which was previously 50,000 people. Second, individual tourists will be allowed to visit, whereas previously it was only possible to visit Japan going through travel agencies. Finally, and perhaps most importantly, Japan was restoring the visa waiver system for people coming for short periods of time. Prior to the pandemic, most people coming for tourism were eligible for a visa application upon arrival, a simplified procedure which allowed visitors to avoid applying for a visa beforehand, and it was called a visa waiver. There are many reasons for this change in border policy, one of them the incoming autumn tourism season, as well as the weak yen, which could be very palatable for foreign visitors. If you want to know more, read Welcome to Japan, Individual Travelers Visa Waivers Return for the First Time Since COVID-19 on the Japan Food website. Steve Stakanashi is 36 years old. He is also a fourth-generation Japanese-American. After more than 100 years since his ancestors came to Japan, Steve recalls that his great-grandfather was considered, quote, a hostile alien. He was among the many Japanese put in an American internment camp during the Second World War. Steve's grandfather's older brother even fought in World War II alongside his fellow Americans. To be sure, the internment camps in the US were not often like what we picture in Europe during the same period, but they were nevertheless expression of distrust towards a minority. As Steve says to author Yukako Ueki, 
quote. Even though it was wartime, Steve was furious when he learned that his family had been treated unfairly in the past. Why did Japanese Americans risk their lives to go to war for a country that, no matter how much they pledge allegiance to the United States, forced their families into concentration camps, he asked. Steve has now moved to Japan, together with his wife, and they live in Niigata. If you want to know more, read The Japanese American Experience, Great Grandfather Was a Hostile Alien, and Lessons from a Crisis of Democracy, narrating the internment of Japanese Americans on the Japan Forward website. We're often made to think that eating sweets is bad for us. But there is a recent study which might show an interesting effect of sugar on our brain function when playing esports. The data has gathered by research team led by Dr. Ryosuke Furukado, assistant professor of Nishinippon Institute of Technology. Among the 20 subjects, half were administered sugar and performance was monitored playing 25 minutes of Gran Turismo sport. The other half were given a placebo. Looking at results, the scientists have said, quote, glucose ingestion may be effective in improving information processing, speed and sustained attention, amongst other cognitive functions. There is still data that needs to be collected and scenarios that need to be explored. But if you want to know more, read Tips to Play and Win at Esports, Eating Candies on our website. Dynamic duos are capable of firing up the imagination. They are productivity at their best. Men's badminton double partners, Takuro Hoki and Hugo Kobayashi, have benefited from their continuous partnership since their junior high school days. Often referred to as Hoki Koba by their peers and Japanese fans and media in recent years, they have reached number one in the Badminton World Federation's world ranking for the first time on Tuesday, September 20th. Sports editor Ed Odevin described their match as follows, quote, The speed of the game and rapid-fire exchange of shots create split-second opportunities to make decisions to chase after the flying object. And it's a game of inches and angles and the perpetual goal of disrupting the opposition's timing, with a combination of a lefty and righty adding another element to the doubles game. An increasingly noteworthy sport in Japan is worth keeping an eye on hockey and Kobayashi going forward. If you want to know more, read the article Odds and Evens, Takuro Hoki and Hugo Kobayashi Soar to New Heights in Badminton on our website. Find the full article on the specialized website, Sportslook. Last up, as a weekend read, there is one article you should consider looking at. Our kimono expert, Sheila Cliff, looks this week at one of the most characteristic dyes derived from the safflower, as is known in Japanese, benibana. The safflower, after painstaking manual labor, produces a rich red color dye, and the art of this process has been passed on for hundreds of years. The use is varied. It could be for kimono, but it could also be historically for lipstick-like dye. A film has been made on the topic, and it's called Benibana no Moribito, directed by Sato Koichi. If you want to know more, read Kimono Style, Seeing Red, Creating the Colors of Kimono on the Japan Forward website. Thanks, you guys, for listening. You can get in touch on Twitter with me at Ariel Buzetto. That's all for this week. Catch you next time. Doa
が閉まります。